The reading today is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 to 17. Warning and encouragement. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we've spent some time in a series titled No Offence. We think of how angry people seem to be nowadays and how quickly they are offended by different things. People are angry with politicians. Employees are angry with their employers. Teenagers are angry with, well, everybody. Sometimes we try to justify our anger by asserting that we are right. Last week, I had titled the sermon, You're Not As Right As You Think You Are. And this week, I want to think about what happens if we hold on to anger and resentment. I came across an article in Psychology Today magazine. Now, that's not something I normally read, but it said this. All bitterness starts out as hurt. And your emotional pain may well relate to viewing whoever or whatever provokes this hurt as having malicious intent. Anger and resentment is what we are likely to experience whenever we conclude that another has seriously abused us, left to fester. That righteous anger eventually becomes the corrosive ulcer that is bitterness. I'm conscious that by talking about bitterness, that might expose a wound in some of you who are here today or are watching online, and you've not given me permission, as it were, to expose that. And I need to say that's not deliberate. I'm not picking on anybody by by doing that. I don't know all of you well enough, and I wouldn't do that anyway. I want to suggest that if if you have a reaction, it's more likely because God wants to speak into your life in order to set you free. Because freedom is what Jesus died to give us. But lots of people are living in the prison of bitterness. And so that's why I want to talk about it today. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of Christians whose culture had turned against them. They were frustrated and they were struggling. The whole following Jesus thing hadn't turned out the way they thought it would. And they were almost ready to give up. I assume that kind of rings bells with you about our culture today and and the, the state that we find ourselves in church in Scotland in our day. So into that context, the author of Hebrews says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Actually, We could just stop there and do a whole series on that one sentence. Sometimes I wonder if I'm making enough effort to live at peace with anyone, let alone everyone. But anyway, it continues. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up 
to cause trouble and to defile many. I want to uh, talk about a couple of the qualities of bitterness and then unpack a little how we might deal with it. The first thing to note is that bitterness is a hidden destroyer. Bitterness is a hidden destroyer. It's interesting that the author of Hebrews uses the imagery of a root to talk about bitterness. Deep beneath the surface, where nobody sees it, a root can grow. And you've got no idea how deep it goes until you start trying to get rid of it. We're all familiar with the idea that under huge trees are incredible root systems that are necessary to keep the tree growing and to keep it stable. And you may have something beneath the surface of your soul that if left unchecked is going to grow and rob you of the life that God desires for you. Bitterness is a hidden destroyer. And it may be that you don't even know it's a problem until one day you wake up and you cannot stop thinking about that thing or that person. Some of you here today or some of you even watching online might be dealing with a life-paralyzing offense. Serious stuff. Abuse by or of a family member. The betrayal of a spouse the deception of a friend or business partner, and you cannot shake it. I heard someone say that bitterness was like drinking poison and hoping it would kill your enemy. But the only person being hurt by bitterness is the person allowing it space. The one who cannot let go, who cannot move on, who cannot forgive. The roots of bitterness can grow unseen, but eventually they will yield a visible fruit. Bitterness is a hidden destroyer, but if it's not dealt with, it has all sorts of consequences for people. So the second thing to know about bitterness is that if left unchecked, it will also always poison others. The trees and bushes, let alone the weeds in my garden, have roots that go next door, whether they want them or not, because that's what happens in the garden. Bitterness is like that. I've experienced that in my own family. Somebody who was hurt, who became very angry, didn't deal with the anger, and became bitter. And that bitterness carried over to another family member. And relationships for a long time with them became difficult. The verse says that the bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That word defile is sometimes translated as to pollute or to contaminate. And it seems to me that that's a picture of our culture today. 
It seems that people believe and celebrate that all their bitterness should be broadcast. Every news channel, every social media platform has people whose lives are so defined by their bitterness, by their hurt, that they want as many people as possible to join them in it. That's the world in which we live. But hatred and holiness cannot coexist in the same heart. When we invite people into our bitterness, we become a stumbling block in their pursuit of peace. You also may have seen it happen. One bitter person can divide a family. One bitter person can cause dissension and strife in a congregation. One bitter person can make a neighborhood an unpleasant place to live. So what can we do about it? How do we get rid of the root of bitterness? Well, the first thing is fairly straightforward, I suspect. Certainly it is to say whether to do it is as easy. You have to expose it. You expose the object of your bitterness, that thing that has made you bitter. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul says this, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So if you're struggling with bitterness, you have to work out what it is that is making you bitter. You might be bitter at God because you've lost somebody close to you. You might be bitter at a sibling who it seems can do no wrong. You might be bitter at a co-worker who got the job you wanted. Bitterness will keep you in prison. But Jesus died so that you can be free. Bitterness can keep you in prison. But Jesus died so that you can be free. You cannot heal from that wound which you are unwilling to admit. So you need to be honest and ask God to expose the roots of bitterness that you have. So the first thing we need to do is expose bitterness in our lives. The second thing is a bit more challenging because it involves cancelling the debt. The author of Hebrews has taken us to the point of seeing that we are not to let that bitter root grow to cause trouble. But before that, he says we are to make sure that no one misses the grace of God. Without that powerful nature and experience of God's grace, it is so hard for us to do any of these things. Forgiveness starts with the profound reality that I have been forgiven. And when I realize that and understand that, even although I don't deserve it, God has forgiven me. When I get that, then I am able to forgive other people. Without that grace of God, we can't be set free from the root of bitterness. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells a story of a servant who owed an enormous debt to his master. And he went to the master, terrified that he and his family were going to be thrown into jail. He sought forgiveness and for patience from his master. And the master forgave him. And then he went out and he saw a fellow servant who owed him a tiny bit. 
and he had him thrown in jail until he could pay back the debt. The master found out what happened. And he was outraged. He had that first servant brought back. And he told him that he was to be thrown in jail. And that he would pay everything that he owed. But the crunch there is that Jesus says, that's how God the Father will treat us unless we forgive other people from our hearts. We are to give up our claim for revenge and for blame and to thinking that, well, they deserve it. Some people argue that Jesus got angry, and he did. He turned over the tables of the moneylenders in the temple. It's true. But overwhelmingly, during his ministry, Jesus was an instrument of peace, not of righteous anger. He was the one befriending the foreigner. He was the one healing the unclean. He was the one forgiving the sinner. So I'm saying that we need to cancel that debt that we feel because God cancelled ours. And I'm sure that for some, that will be an excruciatingly challenging thing to do. But everything about the life of Jesus and his teaching is counterintuitive to our human nature and the direction of our culture. And it might well be that you have to cancel their debt today and again tomorrow and the following day and on and on and on until one day you wake up acknowledging the wound as a fact but no longer as an emotion. And then you can say, in this moment, I am choosing not to hold it against them. They owe me nothing. And if you really want to be set free and healed of that root of bitterness, once you have cancelled their debt, you need to speak a word of blessing over them. You have to bless them. Jesus says, said that we are to bless those who curse us and pray for those who mistreat us. The reason that we sometimes struggle with allowing a root of bitterness to grow in our lives is because we compare sin. Do you know, it's like, oh, well, we, we've only done a wee sin, do you know? And we do that. We compare ourselves to, to other people. It, the, the word that is used, it comes from archery, and it means to miss the bullseye. Well, what for us is the bullseye, it's, it's God's holiness, and we all miss that mark. And it doesn't matter whether we miss it by a millimeter or a mile. Sorry for mixing my uh, measurements there, but you know what I mean. All of us miss it. All of us are guilty. All of us need to be forgiven. We require the blood of Jesus and the cross. We require grace from God that we don't deserve. And when we receive it, we have to bless and not withhold. When you realize what you've been given, how could you possibly withhold it from others? Does God want you to be free 
from bitterness? Absolutely, he does. Does he want to leverage grace through you to impact others? Absolutely, he does. But you might have to do the unthinkable. You might have to muster the courage to say, I cancel your debt and I will not hold this offense against you. That's when we're doing what Jesus taught. And then we speak a blessing over those who have hurt us. The Apostle Paul later goes on to say this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiving, just as in Christ God forgave you. As a believer then, you are simply passing along what you have received. Let's pray together. Our Father, this is a a difficult area for some people. And so I pray today that your peace would draw us to a place of self-honesty. Help us to take steps to be free from things that have imprisoned us for a long time. And if there are people here today or watching online who've spent far too long living with bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness, would you give them the courage to respond to your word today? Enable them to release other people from a debt that they might not even know has been held against them. And as we continue to pray, I want to remind you that you cannot give what you've not fully received. And it might be that some of you here or listening online feel absolutely undeserving. You feel like you're too bad. You feel like God's love might be for the whole world, but it's not for you. You feel that you don't deserve his love and forgiveness. Well, that's true. You don't deserve it, but he offers it anyway. The Bible says that every single one of us have sinned, whether it be a millimeter or a mile, all of us have sinned and we've missed the mark of God's standard. And there's a cost and a penalty to that. Paul says to the church in Rome that the wages of sin is eternal death and separation from God. That's the really bad news. But the really good news is that while we were sinning, Jesus died to pay that debt, a debt that he didn't owe. But you and I did. If you think of it like an invoice, every sin we have ever committed has to be paid for, and it's on that invoice. But at the cross, that moment Jesus said, it is finished. He made a way for that invoice to be stamped, paid in full. But you have to receive it. You have to receive that grace for yourselves You have to acknowledge sin in your life and ask God to forgive you and give you new life in him. And if you do that, his promise is to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And if you would like to do that, then I'm going to say the words of a prayer for you to repeat silently. 
Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. And you rose from the dead. I turn from my sin and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If today or some point in the future listening to this, you prayed that prayer, then I urge you to tell somebody today. That's a huge step to have taken. But it's easy to say the words, now you need help and support to learn how to live for Jesus going forward. And we'd love to talk to you and pray with you about that. But now we're going to sing two songs, Peace Like a River, and then hear the call of the kingdom.